things change when we call your name. Miracles take place. Healing takes place. Deliverance takes place. Salvation takes place. Demons run. Mountains crumble. Lord, crooked paths become straight when we call your name. And so, Father, today we call your name. We say, Jesus, Jesus, meet us where we are at today, Lord God. Meet us right here. Because we're ready to change. We're ready, Lord God. So, Father, we submit ourselves to you this morning. Father, I ask you that you wear me like a coat, Lord God. Like a glove. That the substance of what is said is from you, Lord God, not from me. It's all about you. That people would hear your voice. Even as you speak through me, Lord God. That they would see beyond this vessel. And they would see the power contained within it. That every person here would walk away different than they came. In Jesus' name, and everyone say, Amen. You may be seated this morning. Hallelujah. Now, what a mighty God we serve. Amen. I'm so excited today. Today, we're going to be talking about how to recognize and receive your pastors. How to recognize and receive your pastors. With this season being a Pastors Appreciation Month, and next week we have this opportunity to bless our pastors in our Pastors Appreciation Day, our Value the Visionaries. I wanted today to talk to you a little bit about how to receive, how to recognize and receive your pastors. In 1999, uh, I just had our first child, Amanda. And during that time, I, I, I felt like I needed to leave my church. Um, people were encouraging me to do it, people from the outside. You know, there are a lot of people who were not necessarily fans of my pastor at the time who were in my life. And so they, would, they were encouraging me, yeah, you know, you need to leave, you need to go, you know, do your own thing, you need to be a minister, you need to go da-da-da-da-da-da, you know, they're not giving you any chances up there, no opportunities, you know, and they, they would just say all kinds of things. And, um, and so, so they were talking to me like that, and, but my pastor was somebody I respected a lot. And so it was hard for me to just leave without having a conversation with him. So I set up this meeting I said, you know, I went to the meeting. I said, uh, Pastor David, my season has come to an end. How many of you know that even back then, the season talk was a popular talk? I feel like my season here has come to an end. I feel like the Lord is shifting seasons in my life and I'm entering a new season. And there's a whole lot of talk about seasons. And so I'm talking to him and I'm telling him all this stuff. And, and, he, and he says to me, he looks across the table and he says to me, you know what? You're like a son to me. And I want you to hear me when I say this. This is not because I don't want you to go. This is not, but I want you to hear me. This move is not the Lord. And I did not want to hear that. I didn't want to hear it. 
But in that moment and in that conversation, I heard his heart. And I recognized that beyond him, there was something deeper inside that I needed to hear and respect. That God had placed this person in my life because he knew that this person was the person that I needed for my life to go where God wanted to take me. And in that moment, I decided, I'm going to submit to this man and I am going to follow what he says. And that conversation and that day became the turning point in my ministerial life. It was the turning point in my calling because from that day forward, my life fast-tracked in terms of ministry. It was him, that pastor, who sent me out to plant a church in Ocherias, Jamaica. It was him who believed in me and gave me a platform to speak. And it was under his direction that the anointing of God grew in my life to the place where I could lead a church and lead it well in Jesus' name. Amen. Right? A church is still existing today, even though I'm not there. Because I chose to submit to the shepherd God had placed in my life. So today, we're going to talk a little bit about the shepherd-sheep relationship. About your pastor and you. And exactly how it is that you recognize and receive that pastor in your life. Uh, Jesus, in Matthew 9 verse 36, this situation happened with Jesus. The Bible says that when he saw the crowds, he, Jesus, had compassion on them. Because they were harassed and helpless like sheep without a shepherd. They were harassed and helpless like sheep without a shepherd. Some other versions say they were confused and weary or cast away or distressed or dispirited. These are all from different versions. Scattered, worried, worn out, wandering and downcast. In other words, these people were going around with the burden of the world on their shoulder. They were aimless, they had no direction, no purpose. Things were not happening in their lives because they had no shepherd in their life. There was no pastor in their life. There was no one giving them direction and vision and purpose for their life. And so they were wandering aimlessly and they had no direction. They were worried and weary. They were heavy. They were burdened down because there was no pastor in their life. A pastor is more than a preacher. A pastor is more than a preacher. Man, you can turn on the TV and see any preacher. You can look on the internet and see any preacher. That does not make them your pastor. Are you following what I'm saying? And sometimes people come to church every Sunday to hear, to hear a preacher, but not to engage with a pastor. And so though they come and hear a preacher, they still walk away wearied, worried, aimless, purposeless, burdened because they have not engaged with the pastor that God has put in their lives. Are you following me this morning? I only have two points for you this morning. Number one is, when you recognize your pastor, you realize your position. 
When you recognize your pastor, you realize your position. The, the, the word shepherd is used throughout the Bible, and it's used in three primary ways. The first way, it's used to define sovereign leadership. In other words, God uses the word shepherd to speak about himself, the sovereign leader. He, uh, the Bible says that, David says, the Lord is my shepherd. Right? The Lord is my shepherd. In fact, the, the Bible says that Jesus is the good shepherd. Uh, Hebrew says that he's the great shepherd. Peter says, come on to the shepherd of your souls. So we know that when it comes to the word shepherd, that God uses it to describe himself. God also uses the word shepherd to describe political leadership. Political leadership. And so the Bible says in Isaiah that Cyrus, who was king of Persia, he had uh, taken over Babylon, destroyed Babylon so that some of the Jews could go back and build the temple. God decried or or claimed that Cyrus is his shepherd. Isaiah 44, 28. Who said, who says, that's God says of Cyrus, he is my shepherd and I, and he shall perform my pleasure. There's a prophecy about Jesus that says, out of Bethlehem shall come a ruler, a shepherd of my people. And so a lot of people, for example, like Judas and many around him were disappointed in Jesus because they expected him to be a political leader, not a spiritual one. They expected him to take his kingdom and destroy all of the uh, Romans at the time because Rome ran Judea. And so they expected that there would be a Messiah that would come and destroy Rome and destroy Caesar and take over and once again Israel would be free. And when Jesus, then they kept asking Jesus, when is your kingdom coming? He kept saying, my kingdom is here. Don't you see it? Hmm. Pilate says, are you a king? Where is your kingdom? Because they were looking for a political leader. But the third kind of leader that Shepherd um, describes in the Bible is spiritual leader. A spiritual leader. And so in the Bible, throughout the Bible, for example, Jeremiah 3.15, it says, I will give you shepherds according to my heart who will feed you with knowledge and understanding. I will give you shepherds according to my heart who will feed you with knowledge and understanding. That's not talking about politics. That's not talking about God. It's talking about humans who will lead you, who will take care of you, who will make sure to feed you the word of God. In fact, the word um, shepherd there is also, um, it's also translated pastor and the word feed is also translated pastor so basically what it says i will give you pastors after my own heart who will pastor you i will give you pastor who will pastor you uh you can look at this jeremiah 23 4 says i will set up shepherds or pastors over them who will feed or pastor them that they shall fear no more nor be dismayed for they shall nor shall they be lacking. In other words, the problem with the people that Jesus saw and he had compassion on was that they didn't have a pastor who was feeding them so that they would no longer be dismayed, no longer be fearful, no longer be without direction. Jesus had compassion. He realized no one was feeding them. No one was leading them. No one was taking care of them. And so Mark 6.34, same um, 
is, the, is another version of the same thing that happened in Matthew 9. It says, And Jesus, when He came out, saw a great multitude and was moved with compassion for them because they were like sheep, not having a shepherd. Here's what He did. So He began to teach them many things. In other words, Jesus' response to these people being weary and burdened was to teach them. And when we walk into church, if we walk into church to look for a preacher and not a pastor, then we will walk out of church not having the change that we desire in our lives because we're not receiving or recognizing the pastor as the person that God has put over us, but rather somebody who can entertain us. Are you hearing me? So Jesus then says to Peter, he says, Peter, do you love me? And Peter says, yes. Then he says, Peter, here's the one thing I want you to do. Feed my sheep. I want you to pastor them the way I have pastored you. So the role of the pastor then is to feed and to lead. The role of the pastor is to feed and to lead. To feed the sheep with the word and to lead the sheep into all God has for them. But that's only one part of the equation. Because the sheep have to do their part as well. If the sheep don't do their part, then no matter what the shepherd does, you will never come into all that God has for you. Because there is a role for the sheep. So what's the role of the sheep? Well, Jesus says this about Himself. He says, I'm the good shepherd. My sheep, catch this, hear my voice. I know them and they follow me. The role of the sheep is to hear and to follow. The role of the sheep is to hear and to follow. The role of the sheep is to hear and to follow. Don't walk into church going, Oh, I like that point, but not that one. Oh, Pastor, that sounds good. You know what? We're going through all this marriage thing and um, we got mirrors and stuff. I we like, heck, I ain't doing that. What? How can you not do that when your role is to hear and to, and to follow? The role of the sheep is to come in and say, God, I am in position to hear you and follow everything you're saying through this man or this woman or whoever is on that stage because that's who you've put in my life to shepherd me. So one time Jesus was telling all these parables and he told a parable about a shepherd. And he said, hey, this shepherd had a hundred sheep, but one of them was missing. He said, it says this, and Jesus, when he came, um, what man of you, sorry, it says, what man of you having a hundred sheep, if he loses one of them, does not leave the ninety-nine in the wilderness and go after the one which is lost until he finds it? Here's my question. How did the one get lost? Because he wasn't hearing and following. He did not hear the shepherd's voice. Ninety-nine of them did. Everybody was together. And the sheep are like, hey, you seen Johnny? No. 
You seen Johnny? Hey, anybody say Johnny? Johnny, Johnny, Johnny. I don't know where Johnny is. I don't know where Johnny is. Where's Johnny? Johnny's off doing his own thing because Johnny is a rebellious sheep. Johnny is like, I ain't following no shepherd. I don't care what him say. I don't care what everybody else doing. I'm all doing my own thing. What did the shepherd do? He left the 99 to go and get Johnny. Why? Because Johnny is hard of hearing. Johnny don't like to listen. And if you think Johnny is bad, here's what Isaiah says about all of us. It says, we are like sheep have gone astray. Each of us have gone to our own way. We are not following God's way. Now, is God a bad shepherd? No. He just, he calls himself good and great shepherd. God is not a bad shepherd. Here's what the deal is. We are bad sheep. Come on, come on. You got to put, put a little clap on that. We're bad sheep. <laughs> we are the ones that have left. Why? Because we won't hear his voice and follow him. For us to recognize our pastors is to hear and follow him. The responsibility, my responsibility, your responsibility as a sheep is to hear and follow the shepherd God has placed in your life. In our words, the thing that we need to do is have submission to authority. And what happened with me that day when I went into that meeting to meet with my pastor to tell him my season is up was to submit to authority. Listen, you don't know you're submitted to authority until authority tells you something you don't like. I can submit all day if you agree with me. Hello. Oh yeah, I follow my past. I serve. I'm an usher. Of course, I am, I'm submitted. Why? Because I always wanted to be an usher. No, 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 no. That's just agreement. And that's great. But submission is when I don't agree. But I do it anyway. That's submission. And we can't recognize our pastors as the shepherds in our life if we're not willing to submit to them and their leadership. Are you following me, word of truth? It's not enough to come in here and see him as a preacher or see her as a preacher. We have to come in here and see that that is the person God has put over my life for a purpose in my life and I am going to submit to them. The evidence that you recognize your pastors as God's shepherds for you is your willingness to hear and follow them, especially when you disagree with them. Especially then. So point one is that we need to recognize our pastors. And when we recognize our pastors, we see our own responsibility, our own position. Here, here's the second thing. And this is where I want to spend some time. So when you receive your pastor, you release God's power. When you receive your pastor, you release God's power in your life. I want to read a story to you um, out of Mark chapter 5. Verse 24 to 34. It says, is in the NIV, it says, A large crowd followed and pressed about him. And a woman who was there, who had been subject to bleeding for 12 years, she had suffered a great deal under the care of many doctors and had spent all she had. Yet, 
instead of getting better, she grew worse. When she heard about Jesus, she came up behind him in the crowd and touched his cloak because she thought, if I just touch his clothes, someone said, touch his clothes. If I just touch his clothes, I will be healed. Immediately her bleeding stopped and she felt in her body that she was freed from her suffering. At once, Jesus realized that power had gone out from him. He turned around in the crowd and asked, Who touched my clothes? Okay, this is crazy. Think about this. Jesus is walking. And I don't know if you ever watch like some of these guys, these superstars. Uh, Kanye was in uh, Jamaica two days ago. And, um, and he was with his entire choir and all this kind of thing. Okay? And when he walked, everybody was pressing up against him so that he's walking like this, right? Because everybody's squeezing up. Sometimes when you, when, you, when, you, when you see these guys and they're walking with their entourage, everybody's up against them. And Jesus is walking and all these people are pressing up against him. And he says, not who touched me. He says, who touched my clothes? Okay, that's crazy. That's crazy. Who touched my clothes? You can't even feel sometimes when somebody touches your clothes. It's not even like somebody, hey, who touched my, my neck? Who touched my ear? Who touched, no, who touched my clothes? <laughs> and this woman, she touched the very hem of his garment, the very thing that was near the ground. She just merely touched it. And he's going, wait, somebody touched my clothes. Do you see how ridiculous this is? And the disciples are looking like, um, are you serious right now? Asking this question. Like, what, what, what are you talking about? He says, uh, and the disciples, you see the people crowding against you, his disciples answered, and yet you asked, who touched me? But Jesus kept looking around to see who had done it. Then the woman, knowing what had happened to her, came and fell at his feet and trembling with fear, told him the whole truth. He said to her, daughter, your faith has healed you. Go in peace and be freed from your suffering. Man, that's powerful right there. That's so powerful. This woman came with an expectation that if she could just touch the clothes of Jesus, she would be healed. If she could just touch uh, the thing that was connected to him, that she would get what was in him. She thought, I am not going to wait until he notices me. All these people are pressing around him. Hey man, can I get close to Jesus? Can I get close to you? She said, I don't need his attention. I am not going to passively wait until he calls my name. I am not going to look for, hey, you know what? When Jesus notices me, when he sends a word for me, when he does it, he, she says, I am going to press in and I'm going to touch something that's touching him so that it can touch me. Her Faith in the piece of cloth he was wearing. Watch this. Her faith in this gave her a miracle. This is critical because this in itself is nothing. I want you to understand. The cloak didn't make Jesus. Jesus made the cloak. Are you, are you following me? 
This in itself is nothing by itself. This has no value in and of itself. But it is who was wrapped up in it that gave it power, that gave it ability, that gave it... This thing became a conduit of God's power to that woman because she had faith that God could use a piece of cloth to heal her that day. Oh, word of truth. I'm going somewhere with this. Tell the person beside you, he's going somewhere with this. Watch this, watch this, watch this. Sometimes, I, I, I don't know about you, but you, you don't come to church just thinking, hey, I'm coming to church. I'm coming to church to hear a good word. I'm coming to church to sing. I'm coming to church to serve. No, 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 no. You come to church saying, I am coming to church to meet God. Have faith. That on Sundays, when you hit that parking lot, the power of God is going to run through your body. Have faith that when you walk in the doors, the power of God is going to hit your body. Have faith that during worship, something is going to happen to me. Have faith that during the Word, something is going to change in my life. Because I am going to press in and touch something that's touching Jesus. I don't need somebody to call out my name. Hey, you in the blue shirt, I have a word for you. I don't need that. I am pressing in to church something that has Jesus inside of it so that I can pull from Jesus what I need. Her expectation was that she would get healed if she just touched the hem his garment you know my my wife grew up in this church that was run by elders they didn't have a pastor it was just elders and what they would do is every week they would rotate which elder would speak on stage and so she used to laugh at me all the time because she used to say hey who's speaking at your church this week I'd say Pastor David who preached every week but her church had all this rotation of speakers well my friend, Pastor Rowan, who was also go to that church, uh, he would always complain about certain elders speaking. Because some elders were good, that everybody wanted to hear, and then some elders were, you know, it wasn't their calling. You, you get what I'm saying? And so he would complain, right? And he would say, man, I can't believe elder such and such is speaking today, or whatever it is. And his mother said to him one day, his mother said, his mother said, Rowan, come here. He says, yes, mom. said, Balaam's donkey. God used the donkey to speak to Balaam. Don't look at the donkey. Look for the word of God that's coming through the donkey. Too many times, we're looking on the stage saying, who is leading? Who is speaking? Who is it? Who, uh, forget who is doing it. Look for God to come through for you. Forget the courts. It's not about the courts. It's not about the cloth. It's not about the hem. It's about who is in the hem. Who is in the court. Because she applied faith. That coat that he was wearing, those robes he was wearing, became a conduit for her to access the power of God for her life. 
And by faith, you can pull the power of God for your life through any conduit God has placed in your life for you. I'll give you a contrast to this story. Next chapter is Mark chapter 6. And in Mark chapter 6, Jesus goes to his hometown. Verse 1. He goes to Nazareth and he stands up in the temple and in the, um, on the Sabbath day. He stands up and he starts to speak. And when he do, did that, it says this, verse 1. Jesus left there, went to his hometown, accompanied by his disciples. When the Sabbath day, he began to teach in the synagogue. And many who heard him were amazed. So his hometown is there, and they are amazed. This is Jesus? Wow. So they say, wait a minute, hold on. Where did this man get these things? They asked. What's this wisdom that has been given him? What are these remarkable miracles he is performing? Now it's interesting because they recognize there's wisdom, they recognize there's miracles, but there is a problem that they have. They're asking themselves, who is he to do these things? So here's what they go on. They say, isn't this the carpenter? Hmm. Isn't this Mary's son and the brother of James, Joseph, Judas, and Simon? Aren't his sisters here with us? Isn't this the little boy whose nose used to run and we used to wipe it off? You remember him? Remember that kid that fell down that one time? I went to take him to his mother and his father because he had caught himself. Remember that kid? Isn't that him? Isn't he the one that used to be around here? We used to say, hey, isn't it time to go home? Go home, go home. Wasn't he the one that left his parents and got lost and they couldn't find him? Rebellious boy. Hmm. Right? So that's what they're talking. They're saying, uh, and Jesus, watch this, aren't his sisters with us? And they took offense at him. In other words, here's what they did. Because they saw his humanity, they took offense that he could walk in a certain level of divinity. They saw all his human relations. And they thought to themselves, Hey, I am going to judge him based on his humanity rather than the power of God. They recognized he had miracles. They recognized he had wisdom. But because they knew so much about his past and who he was in the flesh, they could not receive him in the spirit. And so here's what happened. He said, look at this. This is powerful. This is powerful. And it says, uh, Jesus said to them, A prophet is not without honor, except in his own town, among his relatives, and in his own home. He could not. Someone say could not. Not that he would not. Not that he should not. But he could not do any miracles there, except lay hands on a few sick people and heal them. And he now became amazed at their lack of faith. Jesus could not do miracles there because they didn't have faith that God could use him to touch them. Oh my God. I wonder if you hear what I'm saying. 
The woman had faith that the piece of cloth could be a conduit of God's power to her. And the people did not have faith that Jesus could have the power of God run through him for them. That they judged him so much on a human level. That they were closed off to the miraculous taking place in their lives. And that's why we can have so many people come to church all at the same time. And one person in the testimony will say, My life has changed. My marriage has changed. My children are changed. All of this has changed. Because I came in here and I opened myself believing God can use this man. God can use this woman. God can use this pastor. God can use... And I am willing to pull it. And other people come and go, I don't like his car. Hello. I'm, I'm telling you. I don't like how you talk about money. Man, I don't, I don't like how Pastor up there and she's so loud. <laughs> she's not here this morning. <laughs> Hear me, 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 hear me. Word of truth, hear me. Sometimes the humanity of the person can block us from seeing the divinity within the purpose person that is there for us. You gotta hear this. Because many of us keep our pastors in the category of preacher because we're not ready or willing to submit to their pastoring. Oh my Lord. Our faith impacts the manifestation of the miraculous in our midst. And because they had limited regard for him, that God couldn't use him to do a miracle, that prevented him from doing a miracle in them. Woe be it unto us that our pastors would go to other churches and move in much more powerful ways because they're anticipating the move of God when our pastors show up. But we are seeing them as a common person who we see every day and just think, God can't use you for me. These guys had a limited regard for Jesus because they knew Him. They were offended because they had a limited expectation of what God could do through Him. And they refused to raise their expectation to the level of His operation. <laughs> Listen, your faith determines the miraculous in your life. Not just your faith in God but your faith in the shepherd God has put in your life as well. Your faith in the fact that through this piece of cloth, God can work His power into my life. That changes everything. And when we have a limited expectation about what God can do through a vessel like Pastor Eben, because you identify Him according to the natural, according to the flesh, instead of the spirit, then you only get the reward of what you recognize Him for. Uh, all right, all right. Here's a, the Bible says, uh, I'm jumping way down, but the Bible says this if you receive a prophet in the name of a prophet, hey, listen, here's the difference. If you receive him in the name of a prophet, 
If you receive a prophet, in the, you can receive a prophet, but not in the name of a prophet. You can receive a prophet in the name of a pastor, and you'll get a pastor's reward. You can receive a prophet in the name of a preacher, you get a preacher's reward. But if you receive a prophet in the name of a prophet, you'll get a pastor's, a, a preacher's reward, a ah, prophet's reward. Here, here's the point. Whatever you receive them as is the reward that you get in return. So one day, Pastor Jonathan, who is not here, thank God, because I have a complaint about Pastor Jonathan this morning. One day, Pastor Jonathan invited Pastor Polo and I to pray over here, pray, pray, pray over his team before they relaunched Elevate. Pray. He told me, hey, would you pray for my team? Absolutely, I'll come and pray. You're sure? Yes, I'll come and pray. I'll be there. I get here, me and Pastor Polo, we're sitting there on the side, and Pastor Jonathan gets on the stage, and Pastor Jonathan says to his whole team, Hey guys, I have Pastor Polo and Pastor Che here, and they're going to prophesy over each one of you. What? first of course I'm already here so I can't leave he already announced it so I can't move right I'm there and so we're just going to sing a couple of songs and then they're going to come up here and, and just prophesy over you because these are men of God God uses them mightily they're moving on. and I'm like who is he talking about And so he goes through all that, blah, 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 and they start singing and everything else, and, then, and then, but, but, but here's what happened, here's what happened. The anticipation, the expectation in the room rose to the level of the prophetic, so that by the time I got on stage, the Holy Spirit started to use me and Pastor Polo to speak a word over every person that was in that room, and people to this day... And people to this day are coming up to me saying, you know what, that word that you gave me was right on the model. It's exactly what the Lord... I've never done it like that before. But you know what? Because they received me in the name of a prophet, they got a prophet's reward. Can you imagine that the lady had more faith in a piece of cloth than they did in Jesus himself? If we would come to church with the same kind of expectation the lady had, that when you look on the stage, it might look like a piece of cloth, but it's covering Jesus. Jesus is wearing the man of God. Jesus is wearing the woman of God. Jesus is wearing the minister on the stage. So that if I could just touch the cloth. I could receive from Jesus the conduit. They will become a conduit for God's power in my life. Hmm. Jesus said, where there's no honor, there's no faith. And where there's no faith, there's no miracle. He said, they didn't honor me. And he marveled at their lack of faith. And so he could do no miracles. Your miracle begins with honoring the shepherds God has placed in your life. Hallelujah. I want to read a couple more scriptures. Watch this. Uh, 
Matthew 11 verse 7 says this, As John's disciples were leaving, Jesus began to speak to the crowd about John. He said, What did you go out into the wilderness to see? A reed swayed by the wind? If not, what did you go out to see? A man dressed in fine clothes? No, those who wear fine clothes are in king's palaces. Then what did you go out to see? A prophet? Yes, I tell you, and more than a prophet. And he goes on to speak about John. Let me me ask you something. What do you come to church to see? A comedian? Somebody who can do some crazy stuff? A storyteller? A teacher? A preacher? What do you come to church to see? Because what you come to see is what you will receive. And until you receive your shepherds as the shepherds that God has placed over your life, then you will be like sheep without a shepherd. Weary, harassed, worried, burdened down, just crazy. Why? Because you have not come into submission unto the shepherd of your life. Are you following me today? We'll end with this last scripture. 2 Corinthians 4, 7 says this, But we have this treasure hmm, in earthen vessels that the excellence of the power may be of, watch this, of God and not of us. We have this treasure in earthen vessels that the power may be of God and not of us. Sometimes we are so focused on the vessel that we don't receive the benefit of the power. We are so focused on the cracks in the vessel and the chips of the vessel and the brokenness of the vessel and the way the vessel don't look exactly the way I like it and the things that the the vessel just don't seem to line up with what I would want for a vessel. That we are so focused on the vessel that we forget that it's the power inside that makes a difference. The vessel is nothing without the power. The vessel is nothing without the power. But God has placed you under this vessel so that His power through the vessel can impact your life. Amen. You can clap right there. That's a good place to clap. Listen, if you relate to your pastor in the flesh, you will receive nothing. But if you relate to your pastor in the realm of the Spirit, then God's Spirit will change you. So here's the problem. Here is the problem that Satan has caused to prevent people from receiving through their pastors. Many people in this room have been bruised, wounded, disappointed, hurt, and broken at the hand and in the ministry of your men and women of God. It could be before you got here, It could even be since you've been here. 
that somehow an expectation wasn't met. Somehow something was done that hurt you, that offended you, that bruised you, that broke something inside of you. And you've sown and you've worked and you've served and you've given and you've loved. And you did what you were supposed to do. And at a certain point, something happened. And you came into the realization that my pastor is a human, is a earthen vessel that's broken and chipped and marred. And somewhere along that journey, because of what happened, your heart was broken. And because of that broken heart, it makes it hard for you to have faith again in the vessel that God is putting you under. And in this room, right now, there are broken hearts that have created broken faith. And like that woman said, when I first came here, because of my bruises and hurts in the past, it was hard for me to simply go, those are my pastors, because they reminded me of a hurt in the past, and she couldn't submit and allow God to use them in her life, because she was so broken from her own past experience. And a lot of us walk around with the brokenness and we can only accept our pastors as preachers because we dare not in our hearts, dare not trust again. But God is saying, I want to heal you today. Because I don't want you to see your pastor after the flesh. I want you to have the expectation of the woman that says, even though he's nothing but cloth because of what's contained in him. I can pull power. I can pull my freedom. I can pull my deliverance. I can pull my healing. I can pull my direction. I can pull my wisdom. I can pull my purpose in life if I just touch the hem of the garment that's connected to Jesus. Hallelujah. And so here's what I know. I know that as much as leaders have hurt people, as much as people walk wounded, that God hasn't changed His system of shepherds and sheep. He still puts up shepherds, shepherds after His own heart, to lead His sheep. And I know because He hasn't changed His system that what has to change is us as sheep. That we need to get the healing so that we can trust again. We need to get the healing so that we can pull again. We need to get the healing so our expectation can rise again. We need to get the healing so our faith can be strong again. And right now, if you would just bow your heads, close your eyes with me if you would. If you're here this morning and you recognize that you need healing. from a past hurt, from a leader, from a pastor, from somebody. I want you right where you're seated just to raise both hands. I'm going to pray for you because I'm believing right now that the power of God is here 
to heal you right where you're seated. Just raise both hands. Raise both hands. Raise both hands like you're receiving from God. Hands going up all over. Just raise them, raise them, raise them up. Raise them up, raise them up, raise them up, raise them up. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Come on, keep them raised. I'm about to pray for you. Father, in Jesus' name. You see every hand raised, Lord God. And all those who have been hurt, who have been wounded, who have been bruised, who have been crushed, who have been broken by something a leader did or said or didn't do. You see the disappointment. You see the hurt. You see, Lord God, the anguish. You see why it's hard for them to fully submit to leadership. But now in the name of Jesus, I thank you, Lord God, that you are the good shepherd. Father, we speak healing over their lives now in the name of Jesus. God, I release healing to their hearts, healing to their soul, healing to the innermost being in the name of Jesus, that Lord God, you would wrap up their brokenhearted, you would release them from their captivity, you would cause them, Lord God, to be refreshed on the inside, their souls would rejoice in you. And that Father, right now, just like the woman received healing from your robe, from the hem of your garment, that Father, as they are reaching out to you, that this atmosphere is thick with healing, and that Father, they are drawing that healing now into their soul in the name of Jesus. I thank you, Lord, for setting them free, for delivering them, for healing them. And Father, we call it done in Jesus' name. And everyone say, Hallelujah. Now, right now, with your head still bowed.